Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 186 of Business of Design. I'm Kimberly Selden, and this is a holiday weekend. Did you remember that? I didn't. I booked a client meeting today, shortly after this recording, to review an entire project. What was I thinking? I don't even know. And the clients didn't say anything, so maybe they forgot it was a holiday too. In any case, I'm working today, which is very strange. I hope you're not. I hope you're out on a beautiful bike ride or a hike or a walk. I hope you're well. I hope your family is well and your friends are well. And... I hope we're all hanging out face-to-face soon. I had the opportunity to interview these three amazing interior design professionals, Darcy Heather from New York City, Nyla Free, and Leanne Bunnell from Calgary. We had a really frank conversation about what goes right on projects and what goes wrong on projects. And that will be part of the new fall lineup when we announce some of the exciting changes happening at Business of Design. In any case, it was great to catch up with them, but we were all missing the fact that this time next month, we were supposed to be in Palm Springs together enjoying the Business of Design Elite Retreat. I look forward to that retreat every year. I need that retreat. It recharges my battery. And I know there are other Business of Design members or just Business of Design fans who feel the same way. And uh, we look forward to hosting that again. In this episode, we're going to hear how Cheap Trick... Maybe the soundtrack to your life. I want you to want me. It certainly resonated for me. We're also going to learn the difference between dog calling and cat calling. And what the heck does that have to do with sales? Oh, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm going to let our guest explain everything. Episode 186, Close the Sale with Nikki Rausch. You are in the right place. She simplifies sales and makes the approach so vivid. I'm sure the next time you're in a situation where you need to bring out the salesperson in you, you will have Nikki's words resonating in your ears. One thing that really stood out for me is this idea that when it's finally time to close the deal, to make the sale, we need to ask the clients a yes or no question. Would you like to move forward with the project? Are you ready to move forward with the project? Because we are. Whatever it is, yes or no. When I was younger, I was intimidated by that. I thought I didn't want to look needy or hungry. So I avoided directly asking the client if she wanted to work with me. And I could see the confusion on their face because they had dropped a couple of buying signals. And I now realize they might have been thinking, wow, I wonder if she doesn't want to work with us because she didn't even ask. Lots of good stuff in this episode and lots of big things happening at Business of Design. Cheryl barely has time for announcements. She's got to get right back to work, but let's say hello quickly to Cheryl Horn. Man, I love the 80s. Cheryl, what were you doing in the 80s? Um, Potty training? (laughs) (laughs) I was born in 83. Wow. Yeah, I can't say that I was all that busy. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel really born in the 80s. Right I grew now. up in the 80s. 
Do you even? If I was born in '83, can I say that I grew up in the '80s? No, no, they didn't. The growing, <laughs> your first seven years aren't informing who you are as a human being. Yeah. If Cheap Trick yeah. wasn't the soundtrack to your life, then you did not grow up in the 80s. No, that's adorable. Oh my okay, gosh. Okay, I'm more 90s then. I think, I'm super yeah, I think sorry I asked that question. We are moving on. I am not having this conversation <laughs> with you. Oh my gosh, so good to see you. I told everybody you're super busy and you have time only for quick announcements, so you better get to it. Potty training. <laughs> yeah, just to... <laughs> I don't have memories of that age. I'm sorry. Okay, moving on. Business and design members. Let's focus there. Um, coming up this week on Wednesday, September uh, 9th, we have group coaching. And I actually have a long list of questions. So if you're planning to join us, um, make sure you submit those to me so that I can get organized. Um, I think people are getting busy. Projects are opening up. And um, a lot of our questions are very job specific, uh, which, which is great. And then next week, September 16th, um, Thrive. It's our final phase, phase five, sorry, of Business of Design's five-phase recovery program. So we are wrapping things up. Um, we've also had quite a few new members lately, which is amazing. So if you are new to Business of Design and you haven't been participating in the recovery program, we are going to leave that up until the end of the year. So if you can still join us live next week, um, We'll be there to answer your questions. So it's always great to join us live. Um, but then you can also catch up on all of the other webinars over the next couple months. Because again, we will leave those up until the end of the year. Man, we're busy even without all the exciting changes that are happening behind the scenes. And I, for one, am like really eager to start announcing all the changes, but we won't do it yet. We'll, we, in a few weeks, right, we'll start sharing what's yes. happening and when it's happening. Yes, for sure. Some key dates coming up, but we'll make sure we keep everyone posted on that. If you're not um, already registered with Business of Design, I know we've got a, a lot of listeners out there, but um, if you're not registered, make sure you sign up at businessofdesign.com because we'll be obviously keeping everyone posted um, and sending out those key dates through our newsletter as well. All right. Awesome, everybody. Next time we'll talk about 90s music. Sounds good. Yeah, I, I kind of missed the 90s. <laughs> I missed the 90s music because I had babies. Like there was just no time. I don't know. I don't remember the oh, yeah. music in the 90s. I just remember being yeah. really busy with the babies. <laughs> All right. And now it's just whatever's on the radio. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. All right. Stay well. Take care. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. For independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $79. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Let me tell you about Nikki. After 25 years selling to prestigious organizations like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Hewlett Packard, and Nassau... Those are some big names. Nikki decided to hang up her own shingle so she could help entrepreneurs sell in a way that builds relationships, creates true connection, and results in more closed deals and long-term clients. That's something we all want. 
Now she's a sales coach, author, speaker, podcast host, and founder of Sales Maven. You can find Nikki at yoursalesmaven.com, add a backslash BOD, and she'll send you some free downloadable content. And you fabulous designers, thank you so much for being here. There's no one I'd rather spend time with than you guys. Hey, Nikki Rouch, how are you? I am good. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I was really happy to speak to you. And did I pronounce your name correctly? I didn't actually hear what you said. It's Nikki Rouch. So I think you got it. Like, ouch. No, I don't know what it rhymes with. Rouch. Like, ouch. (laughs) No, we won't do that. That Rouch, like, couch, sort of. Yeah, sort of. That's Kind of. Without the hard... Really nice to be able to have this conversation with you via Zoom. It would be way more fun in person, but here we are. And you are an expert in sales. And since I know a lot of interior designers who have to sell their services, we thought, why not have a conversation with Nikki? This is your wheelhouse. And you're going to tell us all the things we need to know about being better at the process of sales. Yes. The sales conversation, that's really what I specialize in. Like when you're in the room, when you're on the call with the client, how do you move them through the process and make it super simple for them and also for yourself? Because once sales gets simple, it makes it easy for you to do. The client has a better experience. You feel more confident about what you're doing and everybody just wins. When I think about sales, I always say sales is something you do with somebody, not to somebody. So the idea here is that you build a strong relationship with your potential client, that you ask strategic questions so that you understand what's the problem, what's the need, what's the desire that they're looking to have solved. And then you clearly lay out a simple way for them to get that desire, that need, that want met by hiring you. And then you exchange dollars for services and then you deliver your services. That's the most basic of the selling process to me. That sounds so self-evident, but clearly we're doing something wrong. In, in that process that you mentioned, where's the first place we go wrong? Okay. Well, one of the first places where people go wrong is they're too caught up in thinking about what's this person thinking about me and, and, you know, are they judging me and is it okay to lay out my pricing and are they going to think it's too much and they probably can't afford what I would suggest. And so you're all up in your head. You've got all this, like, I always call that your, it's your negative critic usually that's um, got all this commentary going on for you. And it's super important that before you go into your sales meetings, that you think about your, your internal state. How can you manage your internal state so that when you go into that meeting, you can give your full attention to the person, that you don't have all this chatter going on in your, in your brain, but you're giving your full attention to the other person so you can be really present and start to pick up the cues that people give. So state management is crucial to your success in any conversation really, but definitely in the sales process. It's almost about the difference between being selfish and thinking about me, 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 what's happening with their judgment of me, 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 rather than saying, I'm going to show up to this meeting and I'm going to be of service. I'm going to listen and I'm going to respond to the questions that are on the table instead of having a sales pitch rehearsed. 
Yeah. I mean, anytime you show up and it sounds like somebody just flipped a switch, right. And you're just like, and you're just repeating like the same thing that doesn't feel conversational and sales actually works better when it is a conversation because then your client feels heard. They feel like they're buying from a real person, not somebody who's just trying to get something over on them or, you know, manipulate them into something, which is all the negative side of selling. So when you can show up and like you said, be really present, focus on the other person um, because frankly, the other person is over there going like, what are they thinking about me? And are they the right designer? And am I going to make a good decision? And, you know, and they're like, they're caught up in their own head and in their own thoughts. So be really present and make it really easy for them to, to uncover what's the need, what's the want, and then lay out an offer that meets that need and that want. And allow for them to make a decision to hire you, yes or no. And so I know I'm really simplifying it and we can dig into any part of this along the, I teach a five-step process called the selling staircase. And so I always say it's your job to move your client from step to step to step. So regardless of where you are in the conversation, it's just super important that you know that your job is to lead the conversation, but you do it typically by asking questions. Would step one just be about managing our state or is that pre-step one? That's on, that's in the car on the driveway. You haven't stepped on their stairs yet. Yes. So absolutely. It is what you do before you get to step one is to manage your internal state. So this is, um, I can actually teach a little process if you would like that I teach to my clients. You like process? Oh, do I? (laughs) It's my middle name, by the way. Okay. Okay, good. Well, this is, uh, it's, it's known as the NLP mandala. So I have a background in neuro-linguistic programming. And this is something that I learned many years ago and I teach it to my clients. And it's a way to manage your internal state. So it's learning how to say these four statements to yourself before you go into a meeting, but not just say them. Actually allow for your body to feel what it feels like that resonates with this statement. And this is so... This is what's so great about our brains is it's so powerful that even when something isn't happening to us, we can still understand what it feels like in our body. So I usually will often give the description of like, imagine I handed you a big slice of lemon that was super juicy. And I asked you like, put that in your mouth and like bite down and suck as hard as you can and get all that juice out of that lemon. A lot of times when people hear that, like you can already, you just made a face. So you can already feel it in your jaw, right? Like that, oh my gosh, it's so sour, right? So that's what's so great about our brains. And and we have the ability to manage our internal state just by knowing what it feels like in our body when you say these four statements. So the first statement that you say to yourself before you go into a meeting is you say, I'm glad I'm here. And you allow for that to fill up in your body. What does it feel like when you are legitimately glad to be somewhere? That's the first statement. The second one is, I'm glad you're here. And think about when you are in a room with somebody or if you're in a conversation with somebody that you are so grateful that they are there. It could be your favorite person in the world. It could be somebody you've always wanted to have a conversation with. It could just be that it's your ideal client. But what does it feel like in your body? to be glad when somebody is in a conversation with you. And then the third one, I was going to say, sorry. I was going to say, it's a bit like acting really, right? You're, you know, some, some days you're going to fake it a little bit, but your body and muscle memory will kick in and take over. Yes. 
Yes. Because there are some days where, you know, that like your performance, they always say will be within a range, right? And so your performance that day, depending on where you are in the range, like imagine a spectrum, like one to five, five being like, you were so on, you couldn't get any better, right? But not all days are fives for us. So it's important that you recognize that your job is to just be the best version of yourself in that meeting that you can be. And if your best that day happens to be a three, okay, but let's be the best three we can be in that meeting for that client. Because even your three is better than what they can do for themselves, right? Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't be having a conversation with you. Okay, so step three in the NLP mandala is to say to yourself, I know what I know. And this is your power statement. Now, you're not going to know everything. You don't have to know everything, frankly. You shouldn't know everything. None of us have mastered life, right? <laughs> so the idea of showing up as the expert that you are, you do know a lot about what you do and you are an expert. You have started this business or you've created this really brilliant you know, offer for people because you want to be of service, because you have something that you know makes a difference in the world. So when you show up from that place of like, I do know what I know, it allows for you to be much more resilient when things don't go great, when somebody asks you a question that you're like, I don't know how to answer that. But you just, it like, it's like water off a duck's back. It doesn't matter what you throw at me. I know what I know. And I'm going to focus on the things that I know. I love that. It reminds me of another guest we had on the show who had a, a Jedi mantra or a Jedi mindset. And it was, I am the expert. I am the prize. And even saying that is, is hard for so many designers because we're people pleasers and we tend to have an inverse, inverse relationship with our own value, I guess, to how much we want to please our clients. So I know what I know might be more comfortable for some people to say rather than I'm the expert, I'm the problem. I know what I know. I like that. That's great. Well, I will also say, I don't, I didn't hear that episode, but the Jedi mindset, I love that too. So I'm the expert. I'm the prize. I love that. So the fourth, the fourth statement is I care about you. And when you show up from this place of care for the other person, they feel that. So again, the statements are, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad you're here. I know what I know. And I care about you. Now, this is something that I say to myself before I got on this call with you today. It's something I say before I go into client calls it's something I say, frankly, before I have lunch with my mother. Like I do this all the time. I say it to myself just to be the best version I can in that moment with that person. I love that you're a coach who practices the talk, right? You walk the walk. I love that. Yeah. I don't ever suggest or ask people to do things that I'm not willing or that I don't do, and that hasn't been tested, frankly. Like I've been in sales for over 25 years. I have tested these things. And sometimes I do counter tests, right? To see if like, what if I do it different? What will happen then? So I'm constantly testing these things. So the, the NLP mandala is something that's become very much a part of who I show up or how I show up in a room and who I am as a person with this idea of just not trying to be my best all day long or be like, like try to put on airs that I'm something that I'm not. Cause believe me, I have bad days. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I fumble through things all the time. But if I can just be the best version of myself for the client in that moment during that meeting, that already gives me a step ahead of if I didn't do something to manage my state. 
Yes, I totally understand that. Okay, so it's our responsibility to put ourselves in the best possible position to show up to that consultation. And then there is a five-step process we can use, which is what? Okay, so here are the steps and I'll dig into any of them that you want. So step one is the introduction. This is when you're meeting somebody for the first time, they're being introduced to you for the first time. And this introduction step, frankly, can happen before you even go into the meeting. But the idea is wanting to establish a powerful first impression. So when you when somebody has an experience with you, whether it's they see something that you've posted on social media or that they've come to your website, or maybe that it's that initial phone call that you have or that email exchange you have to set up the appointment, your job is to establish yourself with a powerful first impression. That means being on time. That means being consistent. If you say you're going to send something, you know, send it. If you're showing up in a room with somebody for the first time, that means introducing yourself with confidence and with care for the other person. You know, uh, one of the most simple things I say at like networking meetings, and this, this is a little bit of a pet peeve. So I'm bringing this into the room here in the introduction. It's a safe space. You can bring your pet peeves here. Okay, good. I would like to know what your pet peeve is. One is that when you say, like you introduce yourself to someone, you say like, hi, I'm Nikki Roush. And, and they go, oh, it's nice to meet you. But they don't say their name. And then I'm always like, wait, wait. now I have to ask you for your name. And that feels awkward. So one of the things you, know, you can do to make a powerful first impression, and it's so basic, is say your name when you're meeting somebody. Like say, hi, Nikki, I'm, you know, whatever. I think that's a great rule of thumb. And you know what I've started doing as well? I introduce myself with first and last name. I just have noticed something I've noticed where so many of my male friends, when they meet other people, they'll say, you know, hi, Bob Seldon. Uh, But the women will go, hi, Melanie. I'm like, wait a minute, what just happened there? And I've noticed it enough that I'm like, no, I don't like that. I'm going to start using my last name when I introduce myself. But could you also, I mean, if somebody doesn't tell your name, then, I mean, you can step right up and say, and you are (laughs) like, hello. Totally. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask them either. But this idea of like, if you're there to, to grow business, if you're there with this intention of being professional and establishing a first impression, make sure you're saying your name. Okay. So that's really basic in this introduction phase. Step two in the selling staircase is being able to create curiosity. Now that again can happen before the initial meeting, but there's also times to create curiosity during a meeting. So Curiosity is something where you'll say something and somebody will want to know more. They'll ask a question. That means they're engaged in the conversation. And again, in sales, it should be a conversation. That just doesn't mean one person talks the whole time and the other listens. A conversation means I say something, then you say something, and then I'll say something in return. And and then it's this great back and forth conversation. So making sure that you know how to create curiosity. And again, I can dig into as much of this as you want. Well, I would love to you to dig into that right there because you, even though you're not an interior design professional, you have a general idea of the premise and we go to someone's house and we want them to hire us to, let's say, decorate the living room. How do we create curiosity? Does something come to mind? Yes. 
So again, it's how you answer questions typically is how you create curiosity. And I give a, like, I have a whole talk and a whole training about how creating curiosity is the difference between how you call a dog and how you call a cat. And again, I'll dig into this if you want me to, it sounds a little crazy. I'm a dog person. What, what, tell me about this. Okay. So the dog person is the person who walks into the room and they're like, oh my gosh, I see all these things that we could do in your house. As a matter of fact, I would get rid of this and I would change that. And that's dog calling energy, right? Like the person's already like, oh my gosh, like, I don't even know. Do I get a word in? Are you even going to ask me any questions? Because you're so excited. Like there's nothing wrong with dog calling energy. It just doesn't work in the sales process. Because when, you know, when you call a dog, you have this like high pitch, like high energy. And it's like, come here, boy, like, come here, let's do something fun. But people don't respond to that. It's so true. I'm a golden retriever. And my experience, I'm all like, this is going to be great. (laughs) All right. Which is... Settle down. All right. All right. Tell me, tell me how. Again, that's, that probably works in many, like in many areas of your life. I'm sure that works really well. But in the sales process, we want to have more of what I call cat calling energy. That's the little bit of the like, here, kitty, kitty. We want people to want more. Okay. So when you walk into the room and you see some things, it's okay to say like, oh my gosh. I already have three ideas of things that we could do. And we'll talk about that when you're ready. Somebody's going to go like, what are those three ideas? Tell me now, right? Exactly. That is such, that's, that is probably going to be a difficult adjustment for many. I'm thinking of myself because I have okay. to say what I, the thing, you know, but what a great thing to notice, I guess. I would put it that way. You can at least begin to notice that about yourself. Yeah, because when you start to notice how you create curiosity and now somebody has a question and they're like, well, what's just one of those things? Or like, what's, what's, what sparked that, right? They're going to ask you some kind of a question. Well, now when you answer the question, you can start to plant seeds around like, well, you know, there's something about the design of the way the, the living room is laid out. It reminds me of something that, you know, another client, we, we were able to come in and do something really special with the color and the texture in the, and so we can, again, we'll get into that a little bit more. And now they're like, they're so in, they're like, I want to know what you're going to say about color and what's this texture. And like, you know, they want more. And so they'll start to give oftentimes they'll start to give buying signals. Now, buying signal is a verbal or nonverbal cue that somebody gives that indicates interest. That's them going like, ooh, like, oh, there's something here. And that is a really easy way to move them to step three in the selling staircase, which is the discovery. This is really your consultation call. Now, this is where you show up with really great, powerful questions. This is where you want to make sure that your questions lead to hiring you. And there are some things that people do in the consultation that can either set them up for success and or set them up for not earning the business. So in the discovery process, one of the things that's super important that you do at the very beginning is you pre-frame for the client what's going to happen or what's the purpose of the discussion. And so I'll give you some language around that. And the idea of the pre-frame is that it creates safety. 
because you might think like, oh gosh, I'd love to earn this person's business. And, you know, I want to really be of service to them and I want to do a great job for them. But again, how we talked about in the beginning, they're probably thinking about themselves and they might feel like, I don't know what to say, or I'm not sure how to ask questions. And gosh, I'm really terrible at design or I'm really terrible at this thing. And I feel self-conscious about it. So we've got to create safety so they can one, breathe and two, be more revealing about how to earn their business. So a, a possible f- a pre-frame might be something like saying to them, you know, so the purpose of our meeting today is to find out a little bit more about you, your space, what's important to you. And then we'll talk about if it makes sense for us to work together and what those next steps would be. Now, we're, we're scheduled to chat for maybe, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes. Does that still work for you? You ask them, they say yes, no, and then you go, great. Now, is it okay if I start with a couple quick questions? That's a pre-frame. Okay, so I'm, I'm sort of, I'm just preparing them. I'm preparing them for what's going to happen so they can relax because they don't know what's going to happen. They don't do this every day. You do. That's right. And my experience, clients are often thinking, oh my gosh, I had to clean the entire house for her to come in my house because I was so embarrassed at what it looked like, right? Like they are caught up in their house, in, in worried about us judging their home. So how do I put that on the table? I would love to know how to just put that on the table. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah. So one of the things that I, the way that you might frame that for somebody is, you know, now oftentimes people have concerns about that I'm making judgments about the house or the way, you know, if things are stuffed in drawers or hidden in closets, but really I want to understand how you live in order to deliver the best possible results for you. So please be as candid as you feel comfortable and know that I am just here to find out what's important to you and see if I can deliver a solution. How does that that. sound? I love that. And and I do know as well, in addition, and there are thousands of designers listening right now who are saying, oh, and we are judging. We are looking around. We do see what's going on here, right? We have have the two hats. I think you called it the little... Your critic. Your your critic. critic can also be hilarious some days, right? Which is why we don't get rid of them entirely because sometimes they're just like so on the money and hilarious, but... Yeah, we need our critics, frankly. We need our critics to keep us on track, to keep us safe, to keep us humble, right? There's a lot of reasons to have a critic. And yes, there might be a part of you that's like, okay, but I am judging. Now, the idea though behind making the statement is to put the client at ease because when somebody feels at ease with you, they're much more likely to not only be revealing about how to earn their business, they're much more likely to be more open to your suggestions and they'll spend more time with you. They'll give you more time and attention. Now, whether you want that time and attention, that's up to you and you can decide how to handle it. But you don't want a client who's like, look, you've got 10 minutes to earn my business. Go. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, once you've done a great discovery and you know you can absolutely serve this client, your next step is to move them to the proposal step. Now, the way that you move to the proposal, I mentioned this earlier, a lot of times it comes by asking questions. I also call this issuing invitations. So I might say to somebody, you know, based on what you've shared so far, there is absolutely a way that we could work together. Are you interested in me putting together a proposal for you? And then we get a yes or a no. Right. 
I sort of stumbled on that. If I had met you 20 years ago, I would have gotten there more quickly. But now I usually say something like, Diana, I'm so happy you found my office. We're the perfect firm for this job. And would you like to know more about how we work? So I kind of got there on my own, but you're right. It's really, I have found it's, they want to know that you want to work with them. Yeah, I I often say my all-time favorite song is Cheap Trick, I Want You to Want Me. And I feel like that's how it shows up in life. Like people want to be wanted. We want to know that somebody wants to earn our business. We want to know that they're excited to work with us when it's our money on the line. So never be afraid to say to a client, like you are an ideal client and I would absolutely cherish the opportunity to work with you. That's hilarious. See, now that that, you must be a golden retriever, at least in part, because you know, retrievers are thinking cheap trick all the time. Yeah. yeah, no cats humming that song, right? Nope, nope. I've never had anybody say that to me, but I love that so much because I, I, yes, there is a part of me, like a huge part of me. I love recognition. I love compliments. I love to be loved. I love when people are happy to spend time with me, right? I like that just feeds my soul. But in the sales process, it isn't about me. It's about the client. Right, okay, all right. So we're at step that was the fourth step. I'm, I'm assuming there's like a closer now. That's right. So the fourth step again is to clearly lay out the way to work with you, right? That's putting your offer in front of the client. And then step five is issuing closed language. Step five, frankly, step two, creating curiosity and step five are the most missed often in the selling staircase. People don't realize that you actually have to get the words out of your mouth that allow for somebody to make a decision. So the words might be, you know, I lay out the proposal and I say, now based on, you know, the proposal, is this something you'd like to move forward with? And then I zip it and I wait and see what they say next. My job is to issue the closed language and then be quiet. Everybody listening to the podcast will know that at that moment, I say the exact same thing. You Then you have to be quiet. I have to sit on my hands because the golden retriever in me wants to justify why I've asked that question or say something else that will convince them. So I've gotten in the habit of literally sitting on my hands. And I actually have now had a client who heard the podcast and heard me say that. And she's like, I'm so, you're so busted when I see you sitting on your hands now. I know exactly those moments. I remember those moments. (laughs) I love that too. That also makes me think that you must be a high kinesthetic. Like, can you talk without your hands? Do you know that like the kinesthetic is the feeler, the person who I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's a different topic, but no, no, I, I I'm super curious. I don't know. I think I, I mean, I'm talking about my hands right now, but they're moving. My hands are moving, even though I'm not waving them around right now. So yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, you're right. I'll tell you where, where it falls apart for me or where it used to fall apart for me. I'm sort of embarrassed to ask for the job. And I think a lot of people feel like if I'm so great, if I'm all that, why do I have to ask for the job? Shouldn't she ask me to work with me? Okay, I love that you framed it this way because the truth of the matter is most people will not make a decision to hire you until you ask them. And there's a couple reasons why. One is they may not know 
how to even articulate like, yes, I want to move forward until you pose the question. Their brain may have not made a decision yet, mostly because we're, our brains are lazy. <laughs> we have decision fatigue. We get bombarded with decisions all day long. So your job is to make it super easy for them. So this is why in the close, you ask a yes or no question. Oftentimes people will say like, avoid the yes or no questions in the selling process. And that may be true. And I teach this in the discovery calls and the questions and all of that. But when you get to the close, it has to be a yes or no question because we want their brain to say yes, no, ask a question, voice an objection or anything in between. But until you pose that yes or no question, you won't typically get an answer. The other little thing that I'll add here although it's not really that little, is when you don't ask somebody for their business, they may walk away feeling super unsatisfied with that interaction with you. Like you're thinking like, I shouldn't have to ask for the sale or she should ask me, but they might walk away going, she doesn't want to work with me. She doesn't think I'm her ideal client. She doesn't think I can afford her. She doesn't like me, but none of that's true. You're just waiting for them to say yes but they won't say yes until you ask the question. I completely 100% agree with you. That is so important for everybody to hear. You have to ask for the job. You have to ask for the sale. And I love that you say it's binary, yes or no. Those are the two options on the table. So what do you do with the client who says, I don't know? So typically the client that says, I don't know, I would say to them, what additional information could I provide that would make it easier for you to make a decision? A lot of times what they'll say is, you know, I just need some time to think about it. Now, when somebody says to me, I need some time to think about it, here's what you do next. You say, great. About how much time do you think you'll need? Let's go ahead and schedule a circle back call now. Let's get it on our calendars. And that way I can answer additional questions that come to mind for you. And then we'll talk about next steps as far as working together in that call. Should we, should we schedule this for what, Thursday? How much time do you need? Yeah, exactly. I love that you do that. I, I want to know because the fact of the matter is for us, taking a new client on board means a whole bunch of dominoes begin to fall. And I can't take three new clients in the same week without creating a real backlog of work. So I don't want somebody that I met in March to call me in July and say, I'm ready because I'll be busy with other things in July. So I do want to know if it's a wrap up. Since we both are the cheap trick girls who love, I want you to want me, I'm also assuming you might have just a little bit of the people pleaser in you. And so what do you do if you're at the step four and you realize, I don't want this job? Okay, so if I'm at step four and I realize I don't want this job, I there's a couple ways that I could that I could do this. I will say to somebody, you know, based on what we have chatted about, I get the sense that I'm not the right person for you, that this is probably not the best fit and isn't going to deliver the results that you know that you want. So I'm going to respectfully decline moving forward. Oh, I might say that. No, I no, you're perfect. I'm sorry. Did I give you the wrong impression? You're absolutely perfect, Nikki. Well, 
it's, it's not about like me being perfect for you. It's more just about feeling like this is probably not the right fit. So again, I appreciate the opportunity and I'm going to respectfully decline. Thank you so much for your time. Is it because my budget is too low because I can do a better budget? I'm sure. Or is it that, um, I want to keep my living room sofa. I am happy to get rid of it if that's a deal breaker. It's really not about, it's not about your budget. It's not about the sofa. It's more just knowing that this is not the best project for, for the work that I do. And, I, and really, I just don't take on clients that I know will be better served working with somebody else. All right, you held firm, but it's not easy to hold firm, no. right? And they immediately switch into, I'm going to be the perfect client and convince you that I want to work with you. Well, you have to decide then, right, in those moments that um, whether or not you, you maybe you, need, you were rash in your decision and maybe there is something there if they really do want to work with you, but you also are the expert. And so trust your instincts based on the, the work that you've done in the past and the types of clients you've had. What are the clients that are going to be, you know, when I, well, when I think about bringing on clients, I want to make sure that the clients that I bring on, I can make raving fans out of them if at all possible. Right. I don't want to bring on a client who's going to go out and go, yeah, I worked with Nikki. It was like, eh, it was all right. No, I want people going like, oh my gosh, every time I work with Nikki, here's what happens to my business, right? That's what we want. So it's okay to decline the people who are not going to be a good fit or especially the people who are like, I think I actually heard you say this on a podcast once. You said something like, it was a red flag for you when somebody's like, well, I've talked to eight designers. None of them could deliver what I wanted. Yeah. yeah. I think you were like, that's a no. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're number nine. That's going to make you unhappy. So I'm just going to say no right now rather than disappoint yeah. you. That's the exact customer yeah. who will try to convince you that they're amazing to work with. I have found that if I have that gut instinct, that it's not the right job, that it's better to stick with it. But as a people pleaser, as a former people pleaser, um, as somebody who's in recovery from people pleasing, I have found it difficult to hold firm to the decision in the moment. I will now, but it's not easy. I find it hard. Yeah. And if you really feel like, I don't know how to just say absolutely no, give yourself some space and some time. If they're like, but I can change my couch or I can, you know, change my budget. It's okay to say, you know what? I think I'm going to take some time to think about this and I'll let you know my decision tomorrow or next week. I'll, I'll send you a, I'll send you a message. Yay or nay moving forward again. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate having this time with you and I will be back in touch start the car, <laughs> peel out of yeah. the tree, start the car, run for your life. Yeah. It's hard, right? It's really, really hard. But most of the time when we go to that consultation, we already know we want to work with the client. And particularly if we've done the steps one and two ahead of time, you have a really strong sense already that this is somebody you can make happy. And I love that you made it so simple that at the end, we have to just tell them we want the job. Just we want the job and yes or no, do you want to move forward? Yes. Yeah. And, and again, the idea here is that we, most of us went into business to be of service, but at the same time, we also are, it's our own business and we get to decide 
who are the best fit clients for us. And when somebody isn't a good fit, you know, don't, don't force it. It's not worth it. Nikki, this was a great conversation. Thank you so much for all these reminders. It's brand new information for lots of different people. We like to end every episode with something we call design intervention. It does not have to be on this topic. It could just be great advice that you have learned to use in your life as an entrepreneur. Well, I actually have a quote that my coach said to me recently, and it's stuck. It's just stuck in my head, and I keep thinking about it all the time. He said, I'm not looking to make the best decision. I'm looking to make the next decision in my business, and it ain't got to be perfect, is what he always says to me. Right, because we get so hung up on being being perfect, right? What a waste of energy. I love that you said if you're going to, if you're not having your best day and you're only a three out of five, show up as your very best three and get it done. Yeah, just get it done. Be, be the best version of yourself you can be that day without expecting things that are unrealistic because none of us show up as a five every day, all day long. That is the God's truth. Um, okay, Nikki, how can people find you and how can people work with you? So I work with clients in a couple different ways. I do one-on-one coaching with clients. I have um, strategy sessions for like a one-off topic. And I also have a membership, which is the Sales Maven Society. And that's where people get access to my training. They get access to me. That's where I'm doing a lot of these rewrites in people's messages. Um, But if people would like to check it out uh, or check me out, find out a little bit more and connect, I have a gift for your audience, if that's okay. Ooh, we like gifts. Sure. Okay, so this is my ebook called Closing the Sale, and you can download it. And it will talk you through kind of the last three steps in the selling staircase. It'll give you some language suggestions. And you can get that by going to yoursalesmaven.com forward slash B O D for business of design. So yoursalesmaven.com, and it's M A V E N with V as in Victor.com <laughs> forward slash B O D. And if you're driving right now, do not try to write that down. Just go to businessofdesign.com. It will be in the show notes and there'll be a link to find Nikki, who's a wonderful guest, by the way. Lots and lots of fun. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. And now I'm going to go put on some cheap trick. You did so much for us in the 80s. So true. Thank you for being a part of the Business of Design community. If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, a free introductory course which includes three Business of Design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a Business of Design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today. Start today.